joining us for the first time, I would like to wish you a warm welcome. This is our Ascenta Insights podcast, where we talk about the power of diverse teams and all things DEI related. This podcast is for executives who understand the importance of culture, fostering inclusion and creating belonging at work, and who want some inspiration as to how to unlock the power of diverse teams within their organization. I'm your host, Chika Okeke, Head of Diversity, Equity and Inclusion at Accenture, which is a contemporary executive search firm operating internationally, but headquartered in London. It's the month of December, so it's not long until the end of the year. Within the DNI space, this is often the time practitioners decide to reflect upon the year just gone and turn their attention to planning and budgeting for the year ahead. In today's podcast, I'm going to do a little bit of that under the banner of the complexity of DEI in a global workforce and the four basic steps I believe you need to get going on your DEI journey. First of all, however, I want to set the scene by taking us back to 2020. It's a year that will go down in world history for several different reasons. In fact, I remember at the end of 2020, Google released a powerful video with the most searched word of that year. Some of you will be familiar with this. It's called a year in search. And the most searched word on Google globally in 2020 was... Can you guess? It was the word why. In 2020, the entire world was asking why. From the simplest of questions to some of the most complex one. One of the things that came from this global curiosity was new commitment to DEI in a number of ways, from diverse representation to flexible and remote ways of working and learning. We are now two years on from 2020, and people are no longer asking why, but they are asking what and how. What has been done? What is the progress? How has your organisation changed? How did you go about it? How is it working? And that all-important question what is next? Now, these are really good questions. And if I'm honest, these are questions that I ask when I'm speaking to clients. But the difficulty with the effectiveness of DNI work is that the subject matter as a whole is complex. The words diversity, equity and inclusion on their own might not sound complex, but The reality of what this means for us as humans, as individuals, is often a different story. At a foundational level, DEI is about people. But unlike 
other work in a professional context, DEI spans several different aspects of human life. And as a DEI practitioner, you have to be aware of all of them, especially when you are trying to implement effective strategies. For example, you have to consider organizational psychology, which is around the science of how people behave and think at work. Sociology, which is the social science that focuses on human social behavior and societies within everyday life. And lastly, you need to add a layer of human rights within this work because it's about ensuring basic rights and freedoms that belong to everyone are upheld everywhere in all contexts. Now, each one of those subjects is complex in its own right, let alone a subject matter that ties all three together. But that's what DEI work does. So, where do we go from here? As a DEI practitioner, what I always want to get across to my clients is that DEI work is change management work. But this is not just changing new systems or embedding new technologies. This work is about changing the mindset, the attitude, the behaviors, and sometimes even the belief systems of people. Now, do you understand why this is so challenging? This is why simply rolling out a set of training sessions on unconscious bias or hiring a chief diversity officer as a way to combat systematic inequities doesn't make an ounce of difference. It's like adding one drop of water to the ocean and expecting a wave to come from this. It doesn't make sense, right? But it's also the same reason why those of us who want to see change in this work also need to exercise a degree of patience and allow time for organizations to deliver on their commitments. Something I always try to reiterate to the clients I work with is that DEI, it's not intuitive to us. Rather, it's countercultural. You only need to look at the last 100 years to realize that societies everywhere, in every part of the world, have been about the business of exclusion. Even 10 years ago, we were not encouraged to bring our authentic selves to work. So when you think about Generation X, which typically represents those in the C-suite at this present moment in time, we can understand that bringing your authentic self to work and encouraging others to do so was simply not the way they grew up. So what we are all doing is building a new muscle. And quite frankly, we're also learning how to use it. Now, don't get me wrong. My empathy is not an excuse for inaction. It is more about ensuring that we all know how tall the mountain is that we are trying to climb. We still need to climb it. And of course, the way to do it is one step at a time. I'm going to share a few steps with you that I believe are critical for your journey. Step number one, 
the importance of leadership buy-in. I was at a DNI conference a couple of months ago where leaders in retail, hospitality, leisure, travel and tourism were gathered to discuss DNI within their respective sectors. I've been to many conferences across different sectors, but something that stood out to me at this conference was leadership accountability. The CEO of a global well-known hotel chain was there. And his fluency in DEI really impressed me. Now, I've spoken to many C-suite leaders in my time, and some do speak more fluently than others on the DEI subject matter. But what I loved about his approach was that he not only understood the value of DEI, but he also ensured that his leadership team was accountable to delivering on it as well. And he had a very hard line on this. He expressed that after several conversations and coaching moments, certain individuals were managed out of the business as a result of their derailing behaviors and DEI related acts of incivility. Now, this is a bold approach, but it's also one which takes a stance on the kind of culture the organization wants to have. I heard a great phrase from John Amici, which helps sum up organizational culture as this. Your culture is the worst behavior that you tolerate within your organization. If DEI acts of incivility are tolerated within your organization, then this speaks to the culture of your organization. This is why leadership and leaders that have the ability to influence and drive inclusive cultures have to buy into DEI. And by this, I mean they have to believe in it and they have to be visible advocates of it, starting with the most senior leader in the business, the chief executive officer. And if the CEO has not bought in, then the CEO needs the support to go on that journey because leaders need to change to lead change. Step number two, focus on systems, not people. Now, I told you earlier that DNI is about people, and that's right. At its core, it is about people. But focusing on changing people will never achieve the results you want. What it will likely result in is actually DNI backlash. So, to change people, you have to change systems and processes that govern the way people behave and interact with others. And by doing this, you take people along with you and you help them to appreciate the importance of creating equitable opportunities for all. There was a great article in the Harvard Business Review by Lily Zhang in September. Lily is a well-known DEI strategist and author and explains how DEI initiatives need to address inequities by changing systems rather than changing individuals. When you take this approach, you will be able to see that every aspect of the employee life cycle 
should be evaluated from a DEI lens. To put this into practice, an organization needs data, both quantitative and qualitative, whether that's survey data, HR data, interview data, or focus group data, for example. Any DEI initiative that doesn't include changes to systems and processes is in danger of being performative. And of course, to change systems, you need resources. And in order to get resources for DEI change management work, the business needs a clear reason why. Step number three, know the why. 70% of all change initiatives fail without a compelling reason as to why. So when embarking on this work, the organization, especially senior leadership, needs to know why. There are often three reasons why organizations engage in DEI change management work. First of all, because they are legally compelled to do so and to meet certain standards. For example, in the UK, organizations with over 250 employees must legally report on their gender pay gap. Another reason is that it's the right thing to do. Now, this is important and noteworthy, but if I can speak quite candidly with you all, it has been the right thing to do for hundreds of years. But slow progress tells us that organizations are rarely compelled or moved to undertake complex change management simply because it's the right thing to do. The last reason is known as the business case or what I like to call the business imperative. Whilst the specific town, city or even country that you live in might not be diverse, the world on the other hand is incredibly diverse. In fact, this is what I commonly remind myself of. As a black woman, I may be a minority in the country I live in, but in the world, I am not a minority. Organizations that want to market global customers have to think about how to appeal to different populations of people. And how can they do that if they don't have diverse teams, inclusive cultures, and equitable systems? In the same breath, organizations that want to attract and retain the best talent need to be flexible about how that talent wants to work. COVID-19 has proved that people can work anywhere in the world and going into an office just to have video calls speaks to the old guard of inputs over outputs, not to mention proximity bias, where managers are more likely to favour and reward colleagues who are physically visible and letting that overshadow the quality of the work of someone who doesn't go to the office every day. Many articles have been published this year showing that people from underrepresented groups prefer not to be in an office environment where they constantly navigate through microaggressions and micro-inequities. At some point, likely in the near future, the organisation that refuses to embrace DNI 
and adapt accordingly will not survive. New, innovative organisations that speak to global communities will innovate and overtake them. Step number four, make it local. The last critical step I would advise is the importance of knowing your audience. You can take a global approach to DNI, but you have to keep it local at the same time. This is something that Rohini Anand, former global chief diversity officer at Sodexo, makes clear in her book, Leading Global Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. While setting goals are helpful, you have to apply local context. And to get the local context, you need to know about a country's history, legal framework, culture, who the dominant and subordinate groups are, and how they interact, and how all of this leads to inequities at work. Rohini explains how a US approach to DEI, where you can collect demographic data and have very transparent yet challenging conversations, simply doesn't work in France, where you legally cannot collect demographic data outside of gender, and the conversation around DEI is far less open. I experienced this firsthand when I was delivering a DEI workshop to several European HR leaders, each coming with their own context of how DEI operates in their own country and wanting me to go into the specificities of how to navigate according to their individual circumstances. It was challenging, to say the least. It's been a great year heading up DEI at Accenture. I've had the opportunity to work on some really innovative and inspiring talent projects, as well as helping other organizations take the very first step on their DEI journeys. Thank you to everyone who has been tuning in to our monthly podcast. We will be back next year. So please do tune in as we continue to share fresh perspectives and valuable insights on the power of diverse teams. I'm your host, Chika Akeki, head of DEI at Accenture. Until next time. Thank you.